collect them if you want them. Dystruck or enamels, many different options. Make sure that they're up. Uh, wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Sorry. Sorry. Let's let's start over. Take two. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Creating Magic. Steven here for the second week in a row. Danny's mom is visiting her down in Florida uh, right now. And so... I decided that for the first time in the podcast's year plus run, I would take on some responsibility and help out with the production and post-production of some episodes. Today's episode is a really cool one. I'm really excited. Uh, this this episode features uh, one of my good friends from work, Maria, someone who I've known now for about three years and um, who happens to be a pretty big potterhead in her own right. Um, I'm really, I won't, I won't spill any secrets. You'll hear the conversation here coming up, so I don't want to spoil it, but I'm really thankful to Maria for taking time out of her, her week to join me for this episode. Um, but before we get there, I just want to say thank you to all of the people who have supported the podcast to date, whether it's through Instagram shares, whether it's through engaging with our Instagram page um, but of course, thank you to those who have subscribed and downloaded our episodes. Um, in case it's not evident, after like 55 plus episodes, Danny and I are massive Harry Potter fans. We do this podcast entirely. You know, every episode is entirely about Harry Potter fans. And, and of course, we we make episodes Unless Danny is making a bunch of money off of this and not telling me, we do episodes entirely for the fans. Um, and so I say all that just to ask if you have a second to please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating and a review. You know, it really warms our heart when we read all of the reviews that come in. And, and believe me, we do read them. They mean a lot to us. They, they get us through some tough weeks. They inspire us. They motivate us. They reassure us. Um, yeah, that would be great. So thank you in advance for doing that. Um, but yeah, like I said, today's conversations with Maria, another coworker and friend of mine. Uh, it's the third in, in a series now of episodes I've done with coworkers. Um, longtime listeners will, of course, remember the conversation that I had with Zach and Maddie Dewar from last year. Um, and then the conversation I had more recently with Aaron Baruta. If you don't remember those names or those conversations, just a fun reminder to go to your podcast platform of choice, subscribe to Creating Magic, and listen to our full library of episodes. But uh, yeah, I'm going to hit play on Jordan's fun intro music here, and then we will dive into the conversation with Maria. So without knowing how this episode is going to go, this is already a win for me because this is now the third episode where I've brought on a coworker of mine, but this is the first coworker of mine that I've been pursuing to come on the podcast for a long time now. So Maria, welcome to Creating Magic. Thanks for having me. I know it's been a long time coming. It really has. And... 
I want Danny slash all the listeners who always expect the least out of me to know that this was not due to any lack of effort on my part. I have tried and tried and tried, and it took until whatever day in March it is today to get Maria here. But we're thrilled she's here um, because among many of her lesser traits, chief among those being an Eagles fan, she happens to be a Harry Potter nerd well within her own right, even though she hides it well at the workplace. So um, maybe a good place to start, Maria, is how did Harry Potter first enter your life? That's a good question. So I was probably like 11 or 12 when the last book was released. And yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. So um, my older sister, she's four years older. She was like super into Harry Potter got the last book, like when it came out. And then shortly after that, I guess probably a year or so later, I started really getting into the books and like read them within a few days <laughs> and became like obsessed with them. Um, I don't know. They're, they're just like a good escape from reality and just takes you into a different world. And then quickly got into the movies and did all of the movies. Like me and my sister went to the midnight premieres dressed up, like all of that fun. Um, but yeah, it's, I always like it have enjoyed that kind of realm, not only like Harry Potter, but like Divergent, Hunger Games, all of those things. So it, it's, it's a nice little escape. I admittedly haven't read but last time I read Harry Potter was probably my senior year of high school. So I should probably go back and read them again. But I've seen the movies a ton as well. If you come visit Hartford, I can always loan you some <laughs> copies from the Hatterer Private Library. Um, I know you have you have a ton. I do have the whole set, though. But I mean... Not bad to see them in different languages as well. Yeah, you know, if you ever want to read the Moroccan translation, knock yourself out. Um, I'm learning a lot already within these first couple minutes. You Look, I've heard about Divergent enough because of Danny and some of our other good friends of the pod. I've never read it. I feel like Danny got me the first book. I think it's sitting on my You should read it. Um, I have a lot of books that are on the to-do list right now, and none are those awful leadership books that we have to read for the program. Um, oh, look at all those books on your floor. Those are all my to-read books. Um, are any of them GMDP book club books? Yes. The That's one is Only the Paranoid Survive. Okay. And I, I don't know why I was sent it, and then I figured out that I had signed up for the Bullet Club, which I don't remember doing. So. Yeah, you're not the first person to tell me that exact story today. Yeah, um, yeah we recently released an episode with uh, Rachel Ravenclaw Reads, I believe is her username. And she basically had two hours worth of house-specific book recommendations. Um, so I've got a long list that I don't know how or when I'll get to, but I'm excited. Um, but on the note of houses, I don't even think I know what Hogwarts house are you and who is your favorite character from the books? Okay. If you had to guess, what house do you think I am? Oh, well, see, this is tricky. It's not that easy because you're very intelligent. So the Ravenclaw thing, you 
You're not really that devious. So I, I was going to say there's a little bit of Slytherin there, but eh, I, I kind of re- recount that. Um, but you were you were a lax rat for so many years <laughs> that Gryffindor has to play in because you're just like the ultimate jock of jocks. So I'm kind of split between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. I'm going to go final answer. Ravenclaw. No, Gryffindor. I That is my split, though, between how I would categorize myself, a Ravenclaw and a Gryffindor. But I think character-wise, I am definitely more of a Gryffindor. Definitely. But I, I relate to Ravenclaw as well. So, and you're right. I would I actually love to be a Slytherin, but I'm not too devious. See, I dabble. That's the thing. Is not I- enough. I think you would like to be a slip. Like I, I could have told that about you before you said it, but yes. you're not. Yeah. That, that, but that I'm fits. not. I just don't, I, I don't fit in with the cool kids. Like it's what, all right. What about your sister? What house is she? Um, <laughs> she would like to say that she's a Gryffindor. She's a Hufflepuff, like totally. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, there's nothing the wrong with it. But like, she is definitely not a Slytherin. She is definitely not a Ravenclaw. I can tell you that. She could be, be, be split between a Gryffindor, but I, I think she's more of a Hufflepuff. You know, I was about to make a joke about is your sister seeing anyone? And then I distinctly recalled that, of course, I she's was friends with you when you were going through her bachelorette party planning and the wedding. So, um, yes, she, she is happily married. So that that ship has sailed. Um, what about your favorite character from, we'll do books first, then movie, if there is okay. a difference. Um, okay. So my, I would say I have two favorite characters from the books. Um, one, because I relate to the character and the other one, just because I just, I just have, I gravitate towards this character. So my first one is Hermione. I gravitate towards, like, I just relate to her so much. Um, I don't know, just like growing up, she's like a little bit awkward, a little bit abrasive, uh, can be a know-it-all at times. Not saying that I can be, but I can. Um, But really is like a fiercely loyal friend, super smart and like willing kind of to do what's right. Um, those are a quality that I, I hope to aspire to be. Um, and I think people would generally tell you that is kind of me. I just, I just relate to her a little bit awkward. Um, and then my other character where I love is Snape. Like Snape is just one of those characters that he, I don't know, like, I just have so much respect for him. Like, even though he, you know, loves Lily, like everything, he's just so like fiercely loyal, is able to kind of like play both sides, but do it in the best way possible of like being that like espionage, like getting information and relaying it back to like the right team. I don't know. I just, I always love Snape. He's just one of my favorites. Well, so this is a question that I already know the answer to, but I'll ask anyway. And I already hear Danny saying to me, you're jumping out of order with questions, but whatever. (laughs) Is Snape a hero or a villain? He's a hero. 
is the fact that he essentially mentally tortured at least dozens of students, presumably more over the years, not at all a complicating factor for you? Um, like, yes, but I think it plays into his persona of like who he had to be in order to get like Voldemort and others to actually believe him. Like as, as superficial as that sounds probably of like, Oh, you torturing a kid to get, but like it plays into his whole like dynamic that even when you're, I feel like you're reading the books, you're like, wow, I hate this guy. Like, why is he so mean? And then you figure out later, like the whole backstory of why he is the way he is. Um, so no, he's, he's a hero for sure. I mean, maybe not in the first couple books, but like he's a hero through and through. So I'm curious, given that we grew up at a, in a very similar age range in terms of how we digested the books and the movies overlapping. When you think of art, let me rephrase that. Are there characters that you think of that you only think of through their movie portrayal versus some that you think of through the book portrayal? Like how, how do you delineate kind of your, your mental vision of, of the wizarding world between the books and the movies? Hmm. That's a tough one. I feel like because the movies are so prominent and, and this is what happens. I feel like with a lot of books that get translated into like a movie or television show is you have this character in your mind from the books and it kind of get, gets absorbed like into what you see on film or on TV. Um, I think her, I actually think Hermione is kind of how I pictured her like through and through. Like I actually think Emma Watson was a really good Hermione. Um, I mean, Ron, (laughs) he like, that's spot on. Um, Harry, I would say a little different. I mean, similar characteristics, but, um, just different I don't know and then I would say the biggest one like Dumbledore and I'm sure this is like a lot of people say this but just in the movies the first Dumbledore in the first two movies is like how I picture Dumbledore like just like such a cute little helpless like magical old man um and then I I just hated how he was portrayed in the the rest of the movies I think that was like made me hate Dumbledore but like I love Dumbledore I cried when I read that he died like you know um but I I don't know I feel like I now more so associate them with the movie characters than what I remember in the book but that's like that's what happens because you've seen you know so many times yeah I want to say that first off I am so glad that you feel that Michael Gambon was a very bad portrayal of Dumbledore because that is an opinion that in my mind is fact, but there's a lot of people who come on this podcast and say otherwise, and I don't really understand. Um, so that's point one. Point two. Yeah, I don't understand no, that. Not at all. Um, I guess point point two, which is two separate questions. So make it that what you will. Um I'm curious how you feel about 
Alan Rickman's Snape and which which Snape you think of, because whereas I tend to revert to book Dumbledore because of how much I loathe movie Dumbledore, Alan Rickman is a perfect Severus Snape, but he's a very different Snape than we get in the books. Um, so I'm curious how you react mm-hmm. to that. Yes, he is a perfect Snape. Like, visually, and just like his the way he speaks and kind of how I would picture him in my head is, is how I, I he's Snape for sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just blended in my head that I don't even like think of the difference between the book and the movie for me with him. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the two Fantastic Beasts installments? I have not. So you haven't been exposed to Dumble Daddy himself, Jude Law's portrayal of Dumbledore. Yeah, no, I haven't. You look, the movies are <laughs> astoundingly mediocre at best and really troublesome at worst. But it, Jude Law's Dumbledore is a handsome man and he rocks some really nice suits and he makes for a pleasant viewing experience in an otherwise unpleasant movie. Um, So I'm not wholly recommending that you spend work hours watching Fantastic Beast movies, but you could just block off like an hour and a half for what I tend to call GMDP development time and then just like watch a movie, see what happens. That's not bad advice. I don't. Yeah, it's not great advice, but it's not bad advice. Well, somewhere in the middle. Well, you know, it's a wash. How do you feel about the books? Do you have an overwhelming favorite, an overwhelming least favorite? Hmm. I think my favorite book. I really have to think about this because I just. I love all the books. Um, and when you read them all together, like they just blend, you know? Um, I would have to say probably Goblet of Fire is probably my favorite just because there's so much that goes on and the detail in the book, there's a lot you have to pick up on that later comes to surface. Like, not only within that book, but later on, like there's so much detail and I just love the whole aspect of the Triwizard Tournament. (laughs) Like that is one of my favorites. It kind of reminds me of this thing we had at my high school. Um, And yeah, I, I love the Goblet of Fire. I would definitely be competing if I was, you know, at Hogwarts. And I had no doubt about that. Um, which I guess a side question going back to the characters a little bit, how did childhood Maria slash if your thoughts are any different now feel about Ginny, both book and movie, because in my mind, somewhat out of uh, cruel teasing, I associate you pretty solely with athletics and Ginny is like the, you know, a one prime athlete throughout the series. I know we're meant to think Harry is, but really it's Ginny. 
So I'm curious if, you know, little athletic Maria running around the outer boroughs of Pennsylvania or whatever um, was like a Ginny Stan. Honestly, not really. I don't know why. She just never really appealed to me. Um, (laughs) Which, yes, you associate me with athletic um, ability a lot, but... I don't know. She's not one of the characters that I really like gravitated towards or really was invested in. I don't know why, but she's not one of my favorites. Well, you mentioned earlier that Harry Potter served as a form of escapism, you know, for everybody, for a lot of people growing up. So then what, what did you gravitate to? What, what was it about this story that kept you coming back with each book, with each movie? Like what, what made it so captivating? I think just the descriptions of like this alternative kind of world that like who who doesn't want to be a wizard like right as a kid you're like I want magical powers I want to be able to essentially do whatever I want um and I think just like the books she does a really good job, I feel like, of, like, the character development throughout, um, of really just seeing not only, like, Ron Harry and Hermione, but Hagrid and, and Snape and Dumbledore and, like, layering on all of these different characters to really just create, like, a cohesive story, um, and I think it's just, like, that little bit of magic of thinking, like, all right, like, I want to go to Hogwarts. I want to get my letter. Um, and just, it's a, it's a fun thing to read. Well, so understanding full well that, as you said, you haven't really read the books since senior year of high school. What does Harry Potter, if anything, mean to you now as an adult? I think it, it just, brings me back to my middle school self like being a kid um you know I'll always associate it with that time in my life and I mean my family we're huge Disney fans so like anytime I can re-watch any of the Disney classics like it's it just transports you right like happier times different times um And I just think Harry Potter is like one of those things universally that people know and love. Like when I was in Japan, we went to Universal Studios and they have like Hogwarts over there. And it's the weirdest thing in the world because when you, when you go on the, um, like the castle ride, you have like Hagrid in a Japanese voice, like yelling at you in Japanese. So it's like completely different tones. You're like, this is not, just the tone is very different but like people bond universally from it I don't know I just think it's something that's really cool that you you don't see many things I mean you see it with like sports and and music but to have books and movies really transcend like all different boundaries is really neat yeah I'll tell you, through through the run of this podcast, we've had the opportunity to speak with 
like people, complete strangers who are now friends, but people who live in rural parts of England, people who live in the Netherlands, we've spoken with, you know, people we never knew across California, you know, Nebraska, Maine, you name it. Um, and it's, it's incredible that this one story can transport us into people's homes for you know an hour conversation and to share this bond. It's really special. I haven't been back to Universal. I went when I was in high school shortly after the Wizarding World was open. So I haven't been since they added that whole addition. Yeah, me and my sister are dying to go. Um, because, oh, that's just in itself. Going to the parks, you're like, I am literally in <laughs> in Hogwarts. Like, it's amazing. Not that you would necessarily remember because I know it's been a fair amount of time since you've attended both but other than of course the bizarreness of the tonal differences with a lot of the Japanese voiceover characters were there any other like major differences you noticed whether it was the food or I don't even know what like was, was there anything else that stood out to you um no it, it it's definitely a smaller version of what you see at universal like it's it's pretty small it's mainly just the castle and then they have like um what's the smaller ride they have um the flight of the hippogriff yeah yeah yeah, they have that and i think that's like the only thing they have like the butter beer but they don't have necessarily three broomsticks like none of that so it's smaller um I don't know if they do have any of like the impromptu <laughs> like kind of character things. The I don't think we saw that. And the yeah, I don't think strang. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you got it down. I got it down. I, I have hey. seen between the movie and that little live show that happens on the stage in Hogsmeade, I have seen that show so many times that I can't, look, I can't dance to save my life. We, we know that. <laughs> but I can do the baton twirl in my head and the whole thing. If, if things fall through, you know, that could always be another job. I mean, look, the irony of it all is I'm technically out of a job January 1st, 2022. And I spent a better part of the first six months in this program looking at applying to go work at Universal. So it could come full circle. Who knows? Hey. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I've discovered to be true for other people that we've talked about in this podcast is how the lessons of Harry Potter permeate kind of who you become as an adult and what you stand for. And I'm curious if that resonates for you at all. And and here's why, because besides the fact that, you know, you were the world's best lacrosse player in my mind, um, the other things I really associate strongly with you are a strong sense of like civic duty and what is right and what is wrong. You know, I, 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 Maybe I'm way off base, but I feel like a lot of our conversations kind of revolve around political you know, news and current events, and, and you have very strong feelings about those. And then the other thing is you, to me, are someone who is very grounded and centered by your family. And so I'm curious, obviously, your family predates Harry Potter, um, but I'm curious if you feel that you know those being two of the things that are definitely more present in who you are or in any way shape or form affected by your you know childhood love of harry potter 
I feel like it does affect it. I mean, to your point, yeah, I I am definitely somebody who thinks it's important to speak up and have your beliefs and in, in what's right. Um, and I think you see that in Harry Potter a lot of just not being afraid to do what's right and kind of build up the courage to to do it, but then also form people around you with not necessarily the same beliefs because obviously the characters do differ, but they help create a sounding board to make sure what you're doing is right. And so not not to say that I (laughs) modeled um, some of those personality traits after you know, the books. Um, but I do think that's something that really did stick with me, um, from the books. And then I, I also think friendship is something that you really see throughout the book. Like a lot of people are, are fiercely loyal to each other and through easy times and, and hard times as well. Um, and that's something I think any of my friends will tell you, I am a fiercely loyal friend even if you're wrong, like I will be there for you. Um, but if you are wrong, I'll probably not tell the person, you know, you're wrong too, but I'll tell you, like, (laughs) I'll make sure, you know, you backed up. (laughs) Um, so I think, I think that's something. And then even just, I mean, Harry comes from a dismantled family, you know, if his parents were still there, I think it would be a great family atmosphere, but that just wasn't in his cards. But I think you can really see how he creates a family around himself, not only with just like Ron and Hermione, but also the Weasleys in general and just Hagrid and Dumbledore and really creating people who he can rely on, like, you know, a mom and dad, a sister and a brother. And that's something that fortunate enough to have a loving family, but just keeping that in mind with like my friends and everything. Um, I think they're all really good examples. You know, I guess as I asked the question, the natural follow-up kind of came to me in that, of course, the wizarding world has been at the center of a lot of current events and kind of morality conversations over the past specifically the past year, although for those of us who have had an eye on it, we've kind of known the unspoken subtext for a while now. I'm curious what you made of everything that has gone on with JKR over the past year and if that's made you rethink or just think differently, which I suppose is redundant, um, about how you feel about Harry Potter. I mean, it it hasn't made me feel different about Harry Potter in general. I think the story is the story. Um, And unfortunately, the author just, (laughs) the, the, you know, the things she's said and and tweeted and things um, is is not right and not comfortable but I think the stories are individual of that um I don't really know don't don't have much to say around that um 
you know, people have their own opinions, unfortunately, and sometimes you can't change them. And then that's totally fair. I was just, I was just curious because we've talked a lot, you and I like offline, I've talked a lot about the bad orange man and we've talked a little bit about <laughs> JKR and some of that. So I was just curious. Yeah. Okay. Well then here's a fun 180. I am going to throw some random Harry Potter conspiracies at you. And I just want to get your reactions. I'm just pulling things I found off of the internet. Some I've heard of before, some I'm reading for the first time. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, okay. Sure. So, number one, which uh, I don't even understand, but okay. Arthur Weasley was under the Imperious Curse. Would you care to hear more? Would I care to hear more? Would you care to hear more? I'll give you the option. Not really with that one. All right, then we'll move on. Number two, Harry hallucinated the entirety of the plot and was living inside the Dursley's cupboard the whole time. I would like to hear that one. Yeah, so apparently this whole theory, and I've heard this one before, centers around the idea that Harry is just like clinically depressed as a child because he's like malnourished and like recklessly abandoned and like lives in literally a cupboard under the stairs. And he just has these dreams where he, this, this big massive man with a beard and a pink umbrella takes him to a cool school where he has friends. And the whole time he's just, you know, living away his life under the cupboard, under the stairs. I mean, that would be pretty cool to be honest. It's kind of like a Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass type vibes, but I think a far fetch of making that all up in his head. We'll stick on the Dursley theme here for another one. The Dursleys are so angry all the time because they're in a house with Harry, who of course is a Horcrux. And we of course have established in canon that Horcruxes negatively alter the mood of you and those around you. Um, Penny for your thoughts. No, they're just miserable people. Great. No way. L- love it. I, I, I love the d- the definitiveness. Okay. Uh, one more here just for fun, because I'm getting tired of scrolling on this page. The obstacles that Harry, Ron, and Hermione face in the Sorcerer's Stone foreshadow the rest of the series. Uh, I mean, kind of. The first trouble that they face when they're going through the trapdoor... Well, I suppose after Fluffy, which, okay, so this theory's already kind of busted. But <laughs> the second trouble that they face is Devil Snare, which is a plant trying to cause them harm, a.k.a. the Whomping Willow. Um, the second trouble is the Broom and Winged Keys, which, according to this theory, are symbolic of the Quidditch match where Harry's attacked by Dementors and Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, the third is this massive life-size chess match, which, with all the pieces laying kind of broken and and disparate across the board looks like a graveyard similar to goblet of fire um when they're at little hangleton uh the next obstacle is a troll which looks remarkably similar and i actually agree with this although i don't know how it fits the conspiracy uh looks like grop who is of course hagrid's half-brother um then you have a potion puzzle uh which is all to do with like slughorn and half-blood prince and potions 
And then finally, and this one's a cop out because it's a one-to-one and it's not really a theory. Harry finds himself face-to-face with Voldemort, which happens at multiple points throughout this series, but they're using it for Deathly Hallows here. I mean, did she really intend to do that? Probably not. I don't think she really knew where the series was going. So I think if people want to draw conclusions to that one, probably not accurate, but like you can, you can make that conspiracy theory. That one's not that crazy. Yeah. There's another one that I scrolled down. I'm not going to get into now, but it's one of my favorites, which is Ron is Dumbledore, which is just mind boggling to me, but we don't have to get into that now. Listeners. I encourage you, if you don't already know to look up the Ron is Dumbledore theory and send us your thoughts. Let us know. Uh, you know, slide in Danny's DMs at Creating Magic Podcast. Send us an email, I suppose. I think Danny checks the email, podcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Um, I will say, though, this obviously is kind of like a synchronicity that came as she was writing them. So I don't know how much of this was intentional, but the books do tend to mirror each other. So one in seven, you know, two and six, you know, the whole, like, that's a really nice, I don't know if operatic is the right word, but like operatic kind of like, you know, whatever that, that is, I really appreciate about the books. So maybe we can wrap up with some potpourri Harry Potter questions, which are all opinion based and all kind of just what would you enjoy? So there's no right answers necessarily because we already covered the the Dumbledore stuff where there is a right answer. First up, an easy softball. What would your favorite class at Hogwarts be? I don't know. I have so many different. What do you mean? No, you've had like 20 something years to think about this. Yeah, but I, I like, like everything. So like making a decision on one thing would be hard. I'm claiming there's no way you're a Gryffindor. You just said, I like everything when talking about classes. Yeah. That's Ravenclaw 101. Okay, no, but there's, like, think about it. This isn't your, like, math class. Like, these are, like, cool classes. Well, they're cool, but they're functionally useless. Because what happens when you graduate Hogwarts? What are you going to do? Like, go, you know, you could become like an ancient rune translator, but how many people are doing that? Mm. I mean, I feel like a potions honestly would be a really cool one to know because like there, there's a lot of things you can play with and people you could mess with and there's the slytherin side of you great yeah. um okay next up would be similar question different flavor what would your wizarding world profession be i have no idea you're crushing this section doing great. i know copped it's out so on the bad. first answer uh it says i have no idea to the second great moving on um where if you had a day to spend in the wizarding world Anywhere, you know, Diagon Alley, Hogsmeade, the castle, Nocturne Alley, Bobaton, Durmstrang, I suppose. Where would you go and why? Oh my gosh, the castle. So much to explore. 
Yeah, see, I guess in my mind, I'm always somewhat intrigued by the Leaky Cauldron because, like, A, you can get you can get pretty drunk. B, the pea soup there tries to eat you back, according to Stan Shun, or according to Urn, or the talking head, the shrunken head from, from the night bus. Mm-hmm. One of those, take it away, Urn. If you ordered a pea soup, better eat it before it eats you. Yeah, that guy. Um so like that's like a fun thing and it's also quite literally as far as we're aware like the sole conduit into the wizarding world from within london so like i would love just to see who comes and goes and and just you know the daily happenings of the leaky cauldron interesting that probably be it's a good people watching one for sure but i think the castle there's so much history there so many people like you could tap into a lot of people uh being there and i think you just feel magical like that's that's what i would want to see who in your mind no 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 let's backtrack <laughs> what in the castle would you like to see like are you just like literally just gonna go room to room kind of like mouth agape are you gonna go hang out in the room of requirement are you gonna hang out in gryffindor tower like what are what are you trying to i do? mean you've got to do it all like like i want to eat in the great hall and then I want to go to the room of requirement. And then I want to go to Gryffindor and just hang out and just wander. You got to do it all. You can't just pick one room. That's like not fair. I personally want to investigate what the hell's going on with Filch and those manacles, because there's a lot of fanfic out there slash just head cannons that I've come up with at this point that either Filch and uh, Madam Pince, the librarian, or if you really want to take a sick twist, Filch and Mrs. Norris are doing some weird stuff down there. Yeah. I don't really want to know about that. Even if there is things happening. Yeah. So, okay. Fair enough. I won't, I won't press that one. Um <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, well, I had another good question, damn it. Um, then I got lost on the filch train of thought again. Danny, I'm so sorry. Um, which villain in Harry Potter is the scariest to you? It's <laughs> um, a good question. Okay, from the movies professor umbridge i freaking hate her and she's actually like probably the most scary to be honest because i am somebody i hate getting in trouble like i hate it and she's one of those people like she's like mean to her core that if you were to get in trouble like she would do definitely some bad stuff to you like she's probably the most scary i mean Voldemort like doesn't scare me um and none of really like any of the, like the Death Eaters or anything like they don't scare me. Yeah, well, the Death Eaters are largely kind of bumbling idiots. They're not dissimilar to stormtroopers. They're kind of just there to, to get right. in the way, and eventually you kind of defeat them and move on to the greater enemy. Um, boy, you can tell I've been watching and listening to a bunch of Star Wars content recently. Um, yeah, Umbridge is terrifying to me because. She made a choice every step of the way to do what she's done and be where she is. Whereas, you know, I suppose you can make some form of an argument that that Tom Riddle believed in this predestination. Um, 
Yeah, she like just chooses the torture kids left and right, which to my original point is kind of what Snape does, although he's not carving words into their arms. Yeah, fair, fair. And she does it with a smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's actually probably the scariest part. She tortures people with a smile. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Psychotic. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, last question, complete curveball. What is your favorite Disney movie? <gasps> like, <laughs> like Disney in general, or like, do you lump in Pixar with Disney? Because some people don't know the difference. Okay, I will, I appreciate the question. I will allow deviation for you to answer to both if you'd like, or if your answer regardless okay. is just one, that's fine too. Oh gosh, this is a tough one. This is this is why I can never make decisions because I feel like I have different insights based on different categories. Um, Didn't we put you in charge of like a fair amount of like decision making? Oh no, I'm good and, with and, stuff like that. But when you ask for like my genuine opinion or my likes and dislikes, I'm like, well, it depends. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Um, okay. Toy Story is like one of my all-time favorite Disney movies not only just because like I mean the storyline minus the second movie really gets to you really just hits at the core not a fan and then of also, Big Al and his toy barn yeah <laughs> also the nerd in me knows a lot about the backstory of the movie and just having it be the first three-dimensional computer animated film is really cool in in itself um that's probably my favorite but if we had to go like princess movies favorite my favorite is snow white (laughs) which is probably different Yeah, yeah that is not an answer i was anticipating how come i i don't know i just i have always loved snow white from from childhood like that's probably one of the first disney movies i actually remember watching and i don't know like she's just like light skin dark hair like i don't know i guess as a kid i kind of resembled her and i was like oh but like the whole i mean the whole plot of it is terrible like the whole okay you gotta wait for your print like no i don't i don't like that but it's just it is such a good movie i don't know just hits me Word on the word on the street though is that your parents are looking for you to find your prince. So that's true. That's true. I mean, but it will not happen by me getting poisoned by an apple and a prince waking me up. I mean, look, there's a possibility. I'm not saying it's a likely one, but like, hey, you know, yeah. cute EMT, little apple poisoning, <laughs> meat, meat cute type thing. You never know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really, as I said, it didn't really seem that likely, did it? No, That's not right. very likely. But I look, mean, <laughs> look, I've given up on love for myself. So I'm just trying for my friends at this point. Um, okay. Well, the last thing that we do here on Creating Magic is we give a creator shout out 
to just someone out there on the Instagram who is doing something we appreciate. I am not expecting you to do that because I forgot to warn you of that ahead of time, but I am vamping because I'm trying to figure out who my creator shout out for this week is. I am going to shout out the Hufflepuff professor, Ariane, Ariane, I apologize, um, a French second language teacher, looks like you live in Canada, you have an adorable cat, very adorable cat, multiple cats by the looks of it actually as I'm going through your photos here, and you seem to be a book collector too, you've got a lot of really cool books, so shout out to you, the Hufflepuff professor, Uh, everyone should go give her a follow. Otherwise, that's our episode. Maria, anything else you want to throw in here before we uh, wrap this up? No, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. This is, again, now the third time I've brought on coworkers and really gilded coworkers. Let's just call it what it is. Um, If you are a general management development program colleague out there and you have read or seen Harry Potter at one point in your life, Uh, And I find out, be prepared because I will be reaching out. That's our episode. See y'all next week.